Hello everyone, how are you? This is Pastor Rod Plummer from Tokyo, Japan, and I'm just so excited by God's Word, and, and we're going to do this series on creation, which is all about Genesis chapter 1 and 2. I believe it's going to help a lot of believers, people that believe in the creation, the, the creator, the, 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 the one who created our lives, but also the one who was in charge of science. And I believe that we're going to answer some questions for you and for me, and it's going to help us to be able to share our faith with other people as well. When I was a very uh, young person, I was a surfer in, in, in Sydney, Australia. I used to love surfing in the waves. And even though I wasn't a believer till I was 19, I always believed in a creator. I would look at the waves and I guess in my own non-Christian mind, I would say, hey, surf God, can we have some good waves today? And hey, surf God. And, and uh, you know, it sounds a bit funny now, but I wasn't saved and I did believe it. I believed that there was a God of the surf, a God of the sky, a God of the, of the planet, um, but I didn't know him. I didn't know that until I was 19 years old and I started to search for God when I was 19. And uh, when I was 19, I was a fireman and I, I almost died in a big factory fire, fighting a fire with a big nozzle. And um, in that fire, it was, it was very, very bad. There were explosions. I almost died, but I actually was safe. I, I obviously didn't die. Um, I was safe. And that night I looked, I looked at that, that something, somebody had saved my life, and I looked up to the sky, which I did sometimes, in, in, in the concept of creator, and once again, I said, who are you? There surely is somebody that made this planet. And now I know there's somebody that saved my life. Now, I didn't become a Christian that night, but it sent me on a search for God. Over the next six months, I read the New Testament. I read about Jesus. I loved reading about Jesus. As a non-Christian, I loved the story of Jesus. I loved the story how Jesus would, would heal people. And I would say to, to, if there's Jesus, could you heal me? And had Jesus saved people? I would say, Jesus, could you help me? And he was this strange relationship with the, the God I did not yet know, but I, I knew he was around me somewhere. It was six months of reading about Jesus. I went to church and finally I opened my heart and the darkness in me left me and the presence of God came on my life. And in one moment of time, my whole heart had been changed, a new heart, a new spirit, um, a new creation the Bible talks about, born again, something changed inside. And and from that time on, I, I, I love God's Word. And I was a young man who also loved to read about science. And I really didn't understand how to put my, my science and my new faith together. And I read a lot of books back then, and it, it made me even more confused, even some books by some Christian authors. And uh, for many, many years, I'd wondered about some of the issues of science and creation. It was always something I, I believed that God was creator, but how, where, when, why? These questions I hope we're going to answer in this study that we're doing right now. We, we've got a, a, a number of parts to our series, and today's all about science and faith. So we're just going to read some scriptures first of all before we jump into my Four points. I've got four things I want to talk about, science and faith, all right? But let's read from the Bible. Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, God is the creator of all things. Verse 27, Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind 
in his own image. That's man and woman, equally important, just the same value to God, but they were different, and God is the creator. In the image of God, he created them. So we're to reflect the creator in in many, many ways, male and female, he created them. Now, this is a scripture that Jesus also quotes in the New Testament, this one, male and female, God created with intention and purpose. And in verse 31, Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. It was very good. Let's say it again. It was very good. God made it. It's a success. You are a success. You are wonderful. God has made us to be his children. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. So we're going to read a little bit now from the New Testament. This is the beginning of John's gospel. John chapter 1 talks a lot about Jesus and Jesus at the beginning. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is Jesus. It it becomes apparent in just a moment that Jesus was not a created being. He was with God in the creation. In fact, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it says he is the creator himself. We're going to come to that later. But it just says that, that, that the Word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, through him, through the word, through this Jesus Christ, all things were made. Without him, Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. Nothing came out of nothing uh, except through Jesus Christ. That He came out of nothing. He created something. We are his something, his creation. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And in chapter 1 of Genesis, it's going to start saying that God said, let there be light, and there was light. And it says, in him was life, and in him is the light of all mankind. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And it says here about this light and darkness difference that God divides, we also see in Genesis chapter 1. So many things coming into the New Testament talk about Genesis 1. This is the creation series. This is number one, and today it's going to be called Four Truths of the Creator from Modern Science, from Modern Science. Now, as we come to modern science, that's a big term I know, but just this is the year 2019. Just 10 years ago, there was a lot of books coming out. They were called them the New Atheists people challenging, people challenging the concept of creator. And there were some popular books back then, just 10 years ago. But all of a sudden, there is a new stream of new science that people are saying with this new science, uh, some old science, some new science, this is actually changing a lot of people's opinion about science and about creation. It's really exciting. We're living in an incredible moment. And and, and this, these four truths are from a, a man called Dr. Stephen Meyer. He is a, a philosopher of science at Cambridge University in England. And he wrote a book recently really talking about this modern science. Because of his book that he's bringing out this modern new thing, especially about DNA, especially about um, a thing called the Cambridge explosion, which is a layer of soil where there is many fossils but there's no fossils below it. And many new findings like this, many scientists who believed in Darwin or believed in evolution or believed in no designer are actually 
changing their mind. More of that in just a moment. But Dr. Stephen Meyer has these four truths that I'm going to be sharing with you today in this session, four truths that we Christians can absolutely know that agrees with Genesis chapter 1 and 2. It's really exciting. Let me let me share a quote with you from a man called Fred Burham, who is a physicist, a famous physicist. And, and he, he says, that the God hypothesis is now more persuasive and respectable hypothesis than any time in the last 100 years. That word hypothesis is a hard word to say. Anyway, what he's saying, looking over the last 100 years right now, is the best moment for creation, for people believing in in a God, a creator, a design. Many people may not believe in a creator, but they're now saying there's a design. It can't come from nothing. There has to be something. He's saying this is the best moment in the last 100 years. Another uh, quote or another book that's just come out is by a, a famous Yale scientist. Now, this man was a, a famous evolutionist for probably all his life, all his adult life. Anyway, his name is Dr. David Galunta, Yale University, top level. And just this year, because of reading some of the new Christian uh, science books, when I say Christian, it doesn't mean it's not scientific. It just means these are Christians doing the research and the writing. But because of because of this book, um, this new book, uh, it called giving. He's written a book called Giving Up Darwin or Giving Up Evolution. And what this Dr. David Gelunter this year, this year, publicly went forward and said, I, I don't know if I believe in a creator, but I do believe in order in patterns, in purpose, in in um, design, in design. And as a result of this man uh, not necessarily becoming a believer, although I do believe he's now saying he was a, a Jewish person without faith and now he has to reconsider, but this man has, has actually come forward clearly and said he is now a believer. He says he has, it's publicly dropped Darwin's outdated theory of evolution. Outdated. In other words, it had its day. There was a day where a very clever man called Charles Darwin wrote about um, uh, the, the, the evolution of the species. It was actually 150 years plus ago, a very famous man. And this man, Charles Darwin, looking at everything, could not understand why there was fossils here in the soil, but down here there was nothing this thing they call the Cambridge explosion. I'll come back to that. But this issue plus the DNA has made this this scientist, Dr. David Galunta, say, I've given up belief in Darwin. Now, this is really significant. It's really amazing. In fact, it's it's such a big thing that the, the Evolution magazine wrote, the Evolution News in, in May this year wrote this, this is one of the most important books in a generation. Well over a thousand PhD scientists have declared themselves publicly as evolution skeptics. They don't believe in evolution now. Scientists, intellectuals, and ordinary thoughtful adults are giving up the old pledge of allegiance to Darwin. The evolution uh, the evolution in thought is very gradual, admittedly, but it's unmistakably happening. What he's saying is thousands and thousands of scientists, and I know many, many people who are uh, mathematicians 
and people in various areas, bio, biochemists and um, many. Uh, Dr. James Tours is one of the highest level um, microbiologists in the world. He's a, he's a believer because of the DNA patterns, and we're going to come to that later on. What I'm saying to you is as Christians, let's be confident that God's word is true. Let's have faith that there is a creator and actually Genesis 1 and 2 is a a good, accurate understanding of what happened. We may not understand everything, including the timing, which I will talk about, but we understand these things. There, There is a creator. There were moments of creation. They were instant and wonderful and powerful, and God did exactly what God wanted to create. It's an amazing thing for Christians to understand that right now, because of these four truths, uh, we can have confidence, confidence, confidence in, in what the Bible says about creation. As I said, as a young believer, I was confused because of the many books. So my prayer and hope is that this, this short video and these videos will help you as a believer to say, I believe in God. I believe in his word. He is my creator. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? So number one, I got four truths, four truths about science, modern science. Number one is there is a beginning of time. There is a time when the universe began. Some people call it the Big Bang Theory. Other people just call it the beginning of time. Whatever it is, the universe had a beginning. Now, as I looked at this this, this thing, I realized that this is not questioned by any scientist or any mathematician. In fact, by the more big telescopes we have looking into the night sky, the more and more we understand that the universe is going out. The universe is expanding. Probably the last scientist to fight this truth was Einstein, Albert Einstein. Most people know who that is. He is uh, probably the icon or the picture of science with his crazy hair. Um, He is probably like science, that's the guy. Well, he he did not want to believe in the beginning of a, a thing called beginning of time. He actually fudged or changed his mathematical equation. He put in a thing called the cosmological constant, which means he just added a number out of nowhere to try to make his maths work out. Why does it seem that the universe is expanding? He said, no, 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 the universe is eternal past. But most uh, most people at that time watching through telescopes were watching the universe expanding because of certain colors and certain things in the night sky. So one of the most famous scientists, his name is Hubble in America, he invited Einstein to look through his very powerful uh, telescope. And and uh, Einstein went to America and the news cameras were there, the old news. And, um, and Einstein went in and was very, very clear that the universe was indeed expanding. Listen to what Einstein said at that time. He didn't fight it right now. He, he said, this is the most beautiful and satisfactory explanation of creation to which I have ever listened. <laughs> In other words, he's saying, wow, wow. But more than that, he came out and he said to the cameras, I now see the necessity of a beginning. Wow. The universe had a beginning. So just to illustrate this, I'm just going to show you a balloon. And and the thing about how the universe expands is it's called, it's, it's equal. It's sort of expanding at, at, at every quadrant of the sky. It's expanding. There's, it's like equal expansion. It's like, it's like this balloon. This is a very 
silly example, but this is like the, how the universe is going. It's constantly expanding like that. The universe is going out over time. Every second, right now, every moment, this universe we're in is expanding. It had a beginning point because if you let all the air go out, if we go backwards in time, backwards in time, what happens is it gets smaller and smaller. Sorry about the noise there. It's just a, as it goes backwards, thank you very much. As it goes backwards in time, there was a point of beginning. There was a time where it started, the beginning of the universe. Now, right now, everyone believes this. Everyone believes in the beginning of time. It's really important because it matches with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the beginning. And every person or every scientist would now agree with it. Listen to what some, some other Bible verses say. Some other Bible verses. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. God, God creates this galactic uh, world. Psalm 8. Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established um, a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Listen to this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? It's saying, God, you set, you set this. You you started with a whatever it was, and, and it's right now, it's just the glory manifesting. God, you made this with your hands. You are the creator. One more scripture, and it's a very interesting one. Psalm 104, verse 2. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. Listen to this. He stretches out the heavens like a balloon. No, no like a tent. He stretches He stretches out the heavens like a tent by design, by will, by he's stretching it out by his will. That's pretty amazing. The universe had a beginning point. Truth number two, it's connected to truth number one. That is, if time had a beginning, if 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 universe had a beginning, then space and time, stuff, mass, Gravity, everything must also have had a beginning. If there was a beginning to the universe, there was a beginning to time and mass and space and stuff and gravity and laws. There was a beginning for them as well. So just like with my balloon uh, picture going backwards, if we go back in time, Long enough, could be billions of years, we don't know how many years, but go back to that moment, the beginning of time, all of the stuff had to be together. If that is so, all the stuff could not fit in one place. You can't get all the planets and the suns and the stars and the moons. You can't get it all back into the one 
space. In fact, as things come closer and closer, there's going to be more compacting and, and more pressure, which is not the case. That, 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 it, it just seems to have come back and started in a moment of time. This is also what Genesis 1 says. God created and then God said, and it was. It came, you ready for this? It came out of nothing. It came out of nothing. There are some big words for this. One of them is the Latin word uh, ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. It's just a word people use. It it came from nothing. Um, another one is transcendent. In other words, from another another uh, dimension, uh, from out of out of nothing, a nothing dimension into something. Not no stuff to stuff. And so this is really important because it agrees with Genesis chapter 1 and 2. It's exactly what the Bible is saying. Listen to, uh, to what, um, uh, um, what the Bible says here. Psalm 33 and verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He made it by his breath, by his word, by his vision. He made it out of nothing. It came out of nothing. Uh, Psalm 136, verse 5, who by his understandings made the heavens. He made it. He, he did boom. He made it out of nothing. Um, it's really important that we understand all matter, when it comes back together, came out of nothing. It was not together in the same point. It, it, was, it was spoken out. Now, people, again, would call it the Big Bang or not. Uh, there might be some different thinking on that, but what I, I think that's fine to say uh, a big bang. God did a big bang, <laughs> and the important thing is it's stuff from nothing. And, and and even some of the atheists have no idea how to answer the question. How if there's a beginning to to the time, how could you get all the stuff together? And and what was there before that happened? The moment before that, what was there? There's mystery questions, but we know that God said he created out of nothing. I love that. All right. Are you ready for truth number three? So truth one, the universe had a beginning. Number two, time, space, stuff, everything had a beginning out of nothing. Truth number three, the the fine-tuning laws of the universe could only have come from a fine-tuner or, or the very special parts of of this universe and world that we live in is is designer. It's designer. Um, it's quite amazing. I want to read to you um, by a man called Fred Hoyle, a physicist. He says, a common sense interpretation of the evidence suggests a super intellect, a super brain, has monkeyed with physics and chemistry as well as biology to make life possible. It seems like someone was making something, a designer was making a watch, or someone was making a tool or a uh, whatever, um, God was monkeying or playing or making, fine-tuning a world for us to live in. So Isaac Newton, the most probably most famous Middle Ages uh, scientist, said, Gravity explains the motion of the planets, but it cannot explain who sets the planets in motion. So gravity, he's saying gravity is this, this law of nature, but who made gravity and who put the planets in perfect alignment like the Earth and Mars and Venus? and Who did that? Because gravity didn't, didn't put it in its place. Gravity may keep it in its place, 
but gravity doesn't put it in its place. Same as the earth with the moon. How did it happen? How did the moon get so perfect right there on the earth? And so God sets things, fine tunes things. I've got nine I want to mention to you right now. Nine perfect things. Now, as we talk about this perfect earth, there's a thing called the, the Goldilocks principle. Um, it's it's from a um it's it's from an old story, old fairy tale, Goldilocks. Um, there was three uh, plates of porridge for breakfast. She tried one. It's oh, that's too hot. Tried the the, the 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 third one. That's too cold. And there was one in the middle. She said that one's just right. That's the Goldilocks principle. So so some planets like um, you know Jupiter is too far away from the sun, and some like. Um, I'm going to get it wrong here. Is it Mars? It's too close to the sun. And so we and the earth are in this zone that is, it might be Mercury actually, is closest to the sun. We're in this Goldilocks zone that's just right. It's perfect. So the scientists call it the Goldilocks zone because of that story. So there's nine things I want to mention about this Goldilocks zone that, that the earth is in. It shows you that there's a fine tuner, there's a watch designer, there's a there's a creator, there's a design. It's, it's absolutely perfect, the earth. Number one, we have the right gravity, gravity. And some of that is because of our own gravity and the moon and, and various things, but we have the right gravity for, you know, things that we can do, walking and jumping and, um, you know, grab the law of gravity. Otherwise, everything would be all over the place. So we live in the perfect gravity. Number two, we live in the perfect distance from the sun. Perfect distance from the sun, which means we have the perfect temperature. Now, some of you might live in very cold places. You know, this is not the perfect temperature. Or something very hot. We're not, you know what I'm saying. But but the whole Earth is inhabitable if we have the right materials. So this is the perfect planet, the perfect and the changes of the uh, temperature in winter and summer according to the movement as well. And so uh, number three, we have an amazing moon. The moon is right there, just above Earth, and it's the perfect uh, perfect shape, the perfect distance that establishes the rotation of the earth, the, 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 the how fast the earth is rotating. Now, we know that one day is 24 hours. Of course it is. But if they say if there was no moon, it would be four hours. It would be very, very fast day and nights. But because the moon is there, it's absolutely set at this 24-hour day. Pretty amazing. The moon also gives us our tides, high tide, low tide, which brings the movement of the seas, which brings a lot of wind, which brings a lot of changes on the earth. The moon is perfect for our tides and for weather. There's many more things about the moon. The fourth thing is that we have an amazing and unique sun. The sun that we have is just the right size and distance from earth. It's called a steady state star. It's pretty solid in terms. It's pretty steady. It just goes on and on. Aren't you glad about that? In fact, our sun, you call it a superstar. It's a superstar. Sorry about that, but it's true. It's absolutely right for us. Number five, we have an ozone layer in the atmosphere. This protects us from the rays of the sun, from the otherwise it'll burn like they do in Australian beaches get all burnt up because they're on the beach. But we have this ozone that protects us from most of the sun's 
ultraviolet rays, and so we can live on the planet. Um, it also, this ozone also protects a lot from uh, asteroids hitting the Earth a lot or things like that, or debris coming in and burns it up. And so the ozone is perfect. Number six, the Earth has a rocky core. It's not gas and it's not ice. Some of the other planets and, 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 and uh, parts of the universe they see are made of gas or made of ice center. Uh, they think Pluto could be an ice planet. They're not sure. Way, way out there. But we have this rocky, steady uh, core of the Earth. Number seven, also we have a molten core. The, the middle of the Earth is, is red hot magma. It's, 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 um, it's, it's, it's moving. And this gives us magnet fields uh, in north, south, east, west, and magnets. And it also protects us from, from solar winds that might destroy the earth. So there's power in the center of the earth. I'm almost finished. Number eight, we have the right air (gasps) for breathing. It's perfect. The air, oxygen, O2, is perfect for humanity and for other mammals and life forms. And lastly, we have the necessary water. And if you see news reports of distant stars, the one thing they're always going to say is, is there water is there drinkable water on this planet? Is there water, etc.? We have got the most amazing water. Uh, so this is the Goldilocks planet, the blue planet. They call it the blue planet because from space, as you look, it's blue because of all our oceans. Two-thirds of the Earth is ocean, so it looks blue from a distance. This little blue rock that we're on, this little blue rock is God's special, special creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what he wanted to do. And my fourth and last truth today is it's pretty exciting because it's very modern science. It's all about DNA. It's the digital code embedded in the DNA molecule in every human cell. That's a big sentence, and if you're not a scientist like me, there's a lot of words in there that we could say, what is that? But I think we've all seen that helix, the, the DNA helix uh, of, of the microscopic, microscopic view of our molecules, the, uh, the, basically the, the molecules of life and how they click, 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 go together. And, and when our, our, our mother and our father, um, uh, the, the egg and the sperm meet, there is a connection and immediately the DNA of a new uh, human being is formed out of that unbelievable uh, complex uh, connection of, of um, th- billions of bits of information. Let me say it again. We humans are made of three billion bits of code, three billion bits of information. Hey, you, you're special. <laughs> you're special. You are made of code from God. You see, I believe the DNA, when it, although we know the, the, uh, a little bit about now about the, the science of DNA, we can't even make it in a, in, in, in a laboratory. Nobody can make DNA. Nobody can, can successfully put that stuff together. People might be able to change a bit, but you can't make it. It is absolutely life. It's absolutely amazing. Again, God said in, in, in Genesis 1.27, God created male and female. In Genesis chapter 2, verse, uh, where is it? Verse 7, he created formed man, formed man and formed woman and breathed into them and gave them life, gave them living DNA molecules all through. Three billion bits 
of information. Wow. Are you excited by that? I am so complex. You are so complex. Um, don't say that to your wife though, okay? That's, that probably wouldn't go over well. But, but we're all complex human beings. Um, we have this digital code and, and the scientists are asking, where did the information come from? Where did it come from? Where did it come from? Now, I'm going to show you a little uh, illustration here. Um, I don't know if we're going to see it clearly, but over here is just a, a, a typewriter with one of the first um, computer codes. Computer codes are made, made up of mainly ones and zeros, or they, they are made up of ones and zeros, um, and it's incredibly complex. It because of that, uh, it, it many so many you know millions and millions of possibilities come from computer code. This is computer code, but over here. Um, is the helix of life, and it's made up of these letters, which are parts, I think, of RNA, parts of subsets subsets of DNA. The RNA are made up of the letters C, T, A, and G in various formations. They, they connect in certain ways. And here we just have four bits of code on this piece of paper here. But I want to tell you that you, that you are not made up of four bits of code that somebody could make on a computer, you are made up of three billion bits, three billion bits of information. You are incredibly special and made, and we need to know when when it says God created uh, the earth and created man and woman, it was because God loves us so much. He's making us different and special and unique. So these bits of code, if you continue on from for billions, then you start to get to uh, a picture of a human being. Now, this is actually a, a quote from a, a, an atheist. His name is Richard Dawkins. He writes books against um, faith. Um, he's, he's an interesting character, and I, I, I don't think he's speaking, um, well, he's not speaking out of modern science. I think he's speaking out of emotion. He's obviously very sincere. Uh, but I don't believe he's correct. But, he, but listen to what he says. He says, the machine code of the genes is uncannily computer-like. So he's looking at this stuff and he's saying it looks like computer code. Apart from differences in jargon or words, the pages of a molecular biology journal might be interchanged with those of a computer engineering journal. What he's saying is that the human code could have been part of a technology book. It's beautiful. It's incredible information. And of course, this computer code comes from human beings, people thinking, designing, writing code, right? Writing code. We hear about uh, people writing code. If you want something new on your computer, someone's got to write some code. Well, here we see that God has written three billion bits of code to make me and make you and make whoever is three billion. In fact, it's quite amazing because we respect Bill Gates and all that he's done. But he says this, Bill Gates says, human DNA is like a computer program, but far, far more advanced than any we've ever created. Far, far more advanced. Now, just with this, by the way, this computer code that we're using only has two possibilities. You'll notice the human code 
has four possibilities, which increases the, the probability, increases the complexity, increases the, the, the wow factor. This is way more difficult than this. The human code is information and it's in order and it's perfect. And as a result of this, you get me and you get you. It's crazy amazing. Am I excited? Absolutely. I hope you're getting excited because this is the information that is making people like Dr. Galunda from Yale University say, I don't believe in Darwin anymore. I believe in this DNA proof that there is a designer. There is a watchmaker of the universe and he's totally involved in his creation. So the biggest question for science right now is where did the code come from? Where did it come from? Did it come from a big bang out of nothing, boom, and out of this this explosion of of just gravity and whatever, we got perfect code and perfect humans and perfect animals and perfect no no. Uh, it, it, that the probability, the maths, is way bigger than we've ever thought before. It can't be possible. And that's why so many mathematicians do not believe in evolution. So many mathematicians say, this is design. There's many more things. There's designs everywhere we look. It is perfect. It is wonderful. It is amazing. And so we have this genetic code that we have in our lives. Now, I want to come back to the Bible because um, we, 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 we need to do that, right? It's, this is a Bible course. Um, but, but I want to read to you Genesis 2 verse 7. It says, Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the information. Where did the information come from? Christians believe it comes from God. God breathed in the information. Now, of course, we don't get formed like Adam and Eve. We get formed from our mother, so this is a unique once once uh, chance for God to create Adam and Eve in this way. In fact, Eve was even created out of Adam. That's for another day. But the point I'm making is even we get our DNA from our parents, but God breathed it, the information code into the original Adam and then from Adam, Eve. And that's where we got humanity from, from the information breathing life. That's why people can't make life in Laboratories. That's why you can't make it. You make it and it falls down. Um, Dr. James Tours, a very, very famous microbiologist, speaks about this. He says, if we think about this concept of something building and then we need to get something else, when we go and get something else, this has collapsed. He's talking about the basic building blocks of life. It can't work. It just doesn't work. And and as as, uh, you go further and further into microscopic views of cells, it's like a whole planet. The cell is a planet. The cell is a world and it's got parts creating here and parts going down here and demolishing. And, and every little cell, every cell is absolutely beautiful. They're finding it to be more and more and more beautiful. Cells, little tiny parts of us are beautiful. God breathed life and he became a living being. God doesn't reveal science to us from, from this. He doesn't talk in, in, in Genesis 1 and 2. It doesn't talk about DNA or genetics or uh, strands or, or, or uh, um, you know, strings of, um, you know, whatever it is. He talks about the, 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 the thinking of why God did it, why God did it. God doesn't reveal science, but it's also scientific. 
What we're saying is actually true. It's just different terms. Let me read to you from Psalm 139. I love this scripture. It's from David. And and David is writing about his own life, about how you created God. This is Psalm 139, 13. God, you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's DNA. That's a that's like David, the, the Middle Eastern, old, ancient world, trying to understand and doesn't understand all the science, but he gets it right. He says, God, you, you knitted, you knitted my information. You knitted my my helix. You, you, you knitted every part of my genes and my DNA. It's, it's beautiful. Um, uh, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So now he's talking about the why. Why did God put this information in us? Because he wants to make us amazing, amazing people. My frame, uh, my, as he's talking about his actual physical body, was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. That's the womb. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Even as a little tiny with the egg and the sperm, then there's, a, there's a dynamic information share, a new creature is forming. And, and, and David doesn't have all that knowledge. Um, he doesn't understand all that science but he understands the big picture that you saw my unformed body. You were there and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So now he's talking about destiny. Out of this little fetus in the womb, uh, this creation, the information, God is making a being and giving that being purpose, future, destiny, reason, purpose. How many other awesome words could I use? See, David doesn't get the science, but he understands the big picture. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is it? So he said, you're amazing. You are the information giver. You are the code giver. Well, he's not using those words, but he's understanding the big picture. So they're the four things I believe modern science that the universe had a beginning. So space, time, stuff, mass also had a, a beginning out of nothing into something. Number number three, this world is in Earth is in the Goldilocks zone. It's perfect. It's it's fine tuned. It's amazing. And number four, our DNA code is wow. It's wow. Everyone goes wow. It's amazing because there has to be an information giver for us to be like we are. So I want to finish in just the next few minutes just to ask a few questions. First of all, who who, who received Genesis chapter 1 and 2? Who were the first writers and who was the first readers? Well, the Bible says Moses was the one who wrote it. He obviously wasn't there at the beginning, but he, he would have had something transcribed or some oral tradition. And he wrote it down, but it was written for people just like us to believe in a creator. I, I, I believe these things. I, I believe it was written to, to, to describe who God is. We're going to talk about that. Who is God and what does he do? Who is man and woman and what do they do? And what is this earth? What are we supposed to do? And how does the whole thing picture fit together in the plan of God? These are the questions that we should ask from Genesis 1 and 2, and we will. We will ask all those questions. It's not written to us. In other words, Moses wasn't writing to Rod Plummer and to you. He was writing to people in his own day, but it was written for us. It wasn't written to us. We weren't receiving a letter, but God put it in the Bible so that we can read it in all ages, all times, and everyone go, that's how it began. 
We may not understand everything in terms of time, science, but we can understand the why, the who, the where, and many other amazing questions. The In finishing, let me say that Genesis 1 and 2 are about these things. It's about God wants to speak to people about universe and planet Earth. Two, God wants to reveal the beginning of his eternal plan and purposes. Three, God wants to create a place for humanity to dwell on with his blessing. Number four, God wants us to know he is powerful to speak things into existence. And lastly, God wants us to know he has creative vision, power, and love for his creation. Wow, we've got some fun times ahead as we talk about creation from Genesis chapter 1 and 2. God bless you.